0: Disclaimer, all right? If your kids run, let them run, okay? If your kids run, let them run. If they talk, let them talk. If they move, let them move. Can we do that? Just let them. Just let them go, okay? Uh, If you can't have peace, as we're sitting here together with kids running around, this is the message for you as we talk about the Prince of Peace, all right? So let your kids run, and if you're looking for peace in the midst of that, Listen to what God is saying in his word, okay? We've been in this series in Isaiah chapter 9 for the month of December, looking at the names that Isaiah predicts about the one that's to come. That is Jesus. 700 years before Jesus showed up, before he showed up, which is what we celebrate in the morning. 700 years prior, this is what Isaiah says about the son who is going to be born. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. we Will do this. And so this evening, we'll look at that name, Prince of Peace. What does it mean that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Let's talk practically about that. I know that this is Christmas Eve, and I know that your heads are wandering like, man, who's here? Whose kids, you know, acting up? I can see you. You guys don't think I can see you. I can see you. All right. But we're going to talk practically about what does it mean that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? And we're going to get after it. All right. Give me 20 minutes. We're going to get after it, then we'll sing, and then you can go open presents, okay? But stay with me, all right? I was at the, I was at the wood shop. For those of you who don't know, I've taken on the hobby of woodworking uh, over the last uh, couple years, okay? And so this week, my buddy and I—we've been at the wood shop most nights after, all right? My kids and my wife go down for bed, making various Christmas projects. And so we're sitting there last night, we're working on these projects. And about 12:30, one o'clock rolls around, and we finally sit down, and we take a break. And I open my Bible and I start reading, and I start thinking about, all right, this evening. And my buddy—he looks at me and goes, "Hey, what are you preaching about tomorrow night?" And I say, "I don't know. Why don't you come?" You'll find out. I said, I'm talking about the ever-elusive peace. That ever-elusive peace that we're always trying to grasp and get a hold of. He goes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't mean to turn this into your, you know, psychiatrist appointment of the week. But like, you know, I got some things going on in my life. And I know what you're saying. Because my friend has a medical condition that there's no end in sight, and it dictates his daily functions. It takes him away from family. It takes him away from his friends. It takes him away from social outings. It controls nearly every moment of his life. And he's always like, is it possible? Is it even possible that perfect peace can be had? And he's like, I don't know. I don't have a frame of reference for that, of what that would be like. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Is perfect peace possible? And what does that even mean? Okay, so I want to answer four questions for you uh, in the book of John. Okay, so go to John chapter 14. Four questions I'm going to answer for you this evening. The first one, uh, who, 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 who does peace belong to? That's the first question. Who does peace belong to? All right. The second question, what is peace? Third question, how do I possess peace? Fourth question, how do I pass on peace? John chapter 14, verse 27 verse through 31 says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have, you would have, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. He's having a conversation with the 12 disciples. And Jesus has just got done telling them, hey, I'm going to go away to be with the Father. As it references here, the ruler of this world is about to crucify me. And I'm going to go away to be with the Father. And so I want you guys to know, like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be worried when I go. Two things I leave with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you, all right? But my peace I also give to you. My peace I also leave with you. Here's the answer to the first question. Who does peace belong to? It exclusively belongs to Christ. Peace exclusively belongs to Christ. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. You can't strive for peace or you can't achieve peace like you would achieve weight loss. Or you would achieve being the greatest soccer player in the state of Missouri or whatever it is that you strive and achieve for, you can't achieve and strive for peace. It's unachievable. And the reason why it's unachievable is because peace exclusively belongs to Jesus Christ. It belongs to Jesus. He's the originator of peace. He's the source of peace. It belongs to him, which means this about peace. If it's not achievable, it means this. It's only receivable. It's only receivable. See, a lot of us in our chasing after peace, we strive And we run, and we run, and we're trying to hold on to whatever your frame of reference for peace is. You try to hold on to that with dear life. And so we read self-help things. We talk to self-help people. We get a better diet. We start thinking holistically, you know, if I'd eat more grains, maybe that would help. I don't even know if that's a thing. But we we, we do all kinds of things, and we pay people to put plans together and say, hey, if you'll walk this out, you'll be a more holistic, complete, peaceful person. I'm telling you, peace exclusively belongs to Christ. And it's not something that you and I can achieve. It's only something that you and I receive from Him. Peace is only something to be received because it belongs to him and him only. You won't find peace in your bank account. You won't find peace in your job. You won't find peace in your health. Because some of you are really healthy and you're sitting there going, I'm miserable too. And some of you sitting out here maybe aren't so healthy, but you're like, you know what? I'm content with my health. Peace exclusively belongs to Christ. Let's talk about what is it. What is peace? It's a hard question. As my buddy and I were talking at the shop last night, you know, it was hard when I asked him, hey, what is peace? It's hard to articulate because we have this idea in our head about what peace is or what we think it is, but it's hard to talk about it. What is it? What helps us understand it is when we look at the portraits of Jesus in the Gospels, it helps us understand what peace is and what peace isn't. Because if we come to the conclusion that Jesus was always in perfect peace— then it becomes clarifying what peace is and what it isn't. Like when you look at Jesus and he's in the garden and he's praying with the Father and he's in such anguish that he's bleeding out of his pores, in that moment Jesus is still in perfect peace. What does that mean? When Jesus is hanging on the cross and those below are mocking him, saying, hey, if you're really the Son of God, bring yourself down. If you are who you say you are, bring yourself down. In that moment, Jesus is in perfect peace. What does that mean about peace? He's in the boat with his disciples, and the storm is rolling through, and his disciples are up, and he's sleeping. In that moment, he's in perfect peace. What does that mean about Peace. It means this. Peace has nothing to do with our external circumstances. It doesn't mean that our external circumstances don't affect us. But peace, the peace that Jesus owns and the peace that Jesus gives is not void based upon yours and mine external circumstances. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because, like, you remember the portrait of Jesus, right? The, 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 the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders and, and Judas, they're on their way to ar- arrest Jesus. And so they show up, and Peter, right, one of Jesus' disciples is ready. He's like, let's fight. You ain't taking my man, right? He pulls out his sword, cuts off one of the soldiers' ears. And in that moment, Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not taste this cup? Shall I not drink this cup of suffering? This is Jesus who is being unlawfully arrested. He's going to be unlawfully tried. Then he's going to be unlawfully crucified And he tells Peter, Peter, should I not drink this cup of suffering? Sounds like a man who's in perfect peace in the middle of an external circumstance that oftentimes we go, you know, because here's what we go. We attach peace to external circumstances. So it's, hey, if I could just get my kids to bed a little bit earlier tonight, I could get some more peace of mind. Some of you are thinking that right now. If we could just get out of here and I would have to stop watching my kid, I would have a peace of mind. Let's go. See, we attach peace to external circumstances. We attach peace to comfort. We attach peace to security. That's not the case when we look at the portrait of Jesus. His peace transcends any external circumstance. doesn't matter. And that seems so far-fetched. I told my buddy that last night. He's like, Zach, that seems out of this world. It is, because he is. He lives above this world. But he says here, my peace I give to you. So you tell me, are you lying to me? Are you saying that God's a liar? When he says, my peace I give to you, but yet perfect peace is unattainable here. So, how do we possess it? If Jesus says, My peace I leave to you, how do I possess peace? Go to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace is completeness. It's wholeness. And this completeness and this wholeness that you have isn't affected by anything external in your life. And how you possess that peace is what Isaiah says here. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you and who trusts in you. So let me take you back to the portraits of Jesus and play that out for you. When Jesus is being arrested, tells Peter, put the sword away. Shall I not drink of this cup? Jesus is in perfect peace. He's in completeness. He's whole. He's secure because He knows and He trusts what the Father has laid out for Him. Son, you're going to be crucified, but three days later, you're going to be glorified, and you're going to redeem all my people. He trusts. He trusts in the Father. I know how this plays out. My buddy at the shop goes, well, we don't know how things play out like Jesus does. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he is. And we don't know how everything plays out. But we do know in life groups in Galatians, we do know that it says we have this inheritance that is waiting for us because we've been adopted as sons and daughters in which we cry out, Abba, Father, And this inheritance that awaits for us is imperishable and is being kept for us. So the external circumstance that you face tonight that's going to try and remove you out of this state of peace, you may not know the consequence or what's to follow of that thing, but you do know my inheritance isn't going anywhere. That's what Isaiah is saying. Whose mind is stayed on me Whose mind trusts in me, that's the one who is kept in perfect peace. Do you trust Him? Because when we try to manage our own peace, we try to manage it, we don't trust Him. Our mind isn't on Him, our mind is not on His promises. We can't try to manage our life. Can't try to manage the outcomes. Can't try to keep this from happening and this from happening. Do you trust what God says? Because that's how you possess the peace that Christ offers. Do you trust me? Okay, then keep your mind on me. How do I pass it on? You know, I read something this week. A guy in the 1800s was talking about, hey, something is worth loving, or you can hold something as beautiful or call something beautiful only in its passing. And he goes on to talk about, hey, the reason why we say the flower is beautiful because it passes from one to the next. It's not always colorful. It's not always vibrant. The reason why you and I could love the sun today, love the warmth today, is because the sun passes from this to that every day. Because what happens oftentimes when something is constant, two things happen. We either hoard it, which robs us from being able to enjoy it, right? We hoard it or we become numb to it because it's constant. What if the sun stayed right where it was at and it was 85 degrees for the rest of your life? Some of you would be like, amen, sign me up. But you'd also become numb to it. You'd become numb to it as well. You would also not be able to make it in Colorado in the wintertime. You'd be like, I haven't felt 20 degrees in 10 years. Holy cow. Something is beautiful and it's lovable in its passing on from one to the next. And I, love, I loved how he put that Because when you go back to the passage in John chapter 14, the only reason why we can enjoy and why we can possess peace is because Jesus passed from one to the next. He told his disciples, I'm leaving you to go back. I'm going back to be with the Father. And in my passing, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And when the Holy Spirit indwells with you, my peace I give to you. Because my peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It was in the passing of Jesus that we get to enjoy and behold peace. And we too have the responsibility and the privilege of passing the peace of Christ On to others. Because if you possess peace, if you possess the peace of Christ, He wants us to pass that on. He wants us to pass it on. So, how do you pass it on? The end of John chapter 14, 27 through 31. Jesus tells his disciples, don't mourn. Don't be afraid because I'm leaving. Actually, you ought to rejoice in my leaving. What he was saying is this. You ought to rejoice in my obedience to the Father. Because the Father sent me here. It was the Father's will to crush me. It was the Father's will to raise me on the third day. It was the Father's will to bring me back. And you ought to rejoice in my obedience to my Father's will. Because if I wasn't obedient, and if I didn't leave, you would never have peace. Because the Holy Spirit would never come. How do you pass on peace? Just like Jesus. Obedience. Obedience to the Father's will right, the passage in Isaiah that says, hey, you're going to hear a voice behind you saying walk in this way. Obedience to that voice passes on peace to other people. Okay? Let me remind you. Peace exclusively belongs to Christ. You won't find it anywhere else. Peace is this state of wholesome completion that is not affected or void when you face external circumstances. Totally secure. Totally content. We possess it When our mind is stayed on His promises and we trust His promises and we don't try to manage our own peace and we pass it on by obedience. People will come in contact with the peace of Christ when they come in contact with your obedience. That's how you pass it on. Okay? The band's going to come back up I'm going to do one more thing, all right, as they come up before we worship. I want to give us an illustration, all right, during our last song, all right, of our privilege to get to pass on the peace of Christ to others, okay? And so I'm going to ask for a helper, all right? And so I'm going to ask if Bowman, Bowman, you can come on up here and help me, all right? It's a nice strut, brother. Come on. All right? Bo, man, I got this light here, okay? So if you want to pull out your candles, you can crack them. I got this light here. and Bo, what I want you to do is I want you to walk down the aisle and I want you to pass this light to somebody else, okay? And then I want what I want you to tell them is I want you to tell them, hey, now you have to go give this light to somebody else. Does that make sense? And so... Throughout the rest of our time together, there should be a light being passed. And let it remind you that the peace of Christ is passed on in our obedience to what He asks of us, okay? So, Bo, do you think you can do that? You think you can go find somebody to give this to? What are you gonna tell them? Yeah, tell them to pass it on to somebody else, all right? Do you know who you're gonna pick out? Okay. Go ahead, all right? As Bo goes, uh, pray with me and we'll continue to worship. God, thank you for the peace. Thank you for the peace that grounds us in this life where there's no doubt. There's no doubt that this life is a train wreck. Because your word says it's a train wreck. Your word says we're going to groan in this life until you return. The corruption is going to spread and take over. It's a train wreck. And so, God, we're grateful for the peace that secures us, that keeps us grounded, that transcends everything around us. And it's your peace. It's your peace this season. It's your peace in the morning when we wake up. God, I pray for the souls in this room this evening that don't possess that peace, that haven't tasted that peace, are grappling for that peace right now. God, I pray that you would awaken their soul and you would knock on it this evening and you would call them to surrender. Because it's in our surrender, do we receive it? Lord, we bless your name now, Prince of Peace. Amen.